0: Trimananda Trimalandasya Janajana Salakaya Cakshuram Militanyena Tasmay Shri Gurave Namaha Vanchikopatubhyascha Kripasindaveva Cha Patitanah Bhavanevyo Vaishnavijanamunamaha So, good evening. good evening. Good evening. We are going to continue with our discussion of the Tatvasandarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami. Uh, we've already begun discussion the, of the, actually the third part, the, if we consider the first part the Mangal Charana, then the second part would be dealing with Pramana, uh, valid epistemology, a valid way of acquiring knowledge, and now we're coming into the section on Prameya, which is Well, if we have a valid system of acquiring knowledge, what knowledge is worth acquiring? Jiva Goswami has established Srimad Bhagavatam as the ultimate Praman, the ultimate uh, source of knowledge for one who's inquisitive about the self, about the objective of... uh, Existence and about the Supreme, if the conception exists in them of a uh, Supreme Entity. Uh, of course, we know that uh, Srimad Bhagavatam is a broad based approach, so we have Brahmaiti, Parmatmati, Bhagavaniti, Subjate text, which is the ultimate means of knowledge, does itself acknowledge a class of spiritualists, transcendentalists, who accept an impersonal conception of the absolute truth uh, without distinguishing characteristics. Some of them go so far as to uh, fall into a category which we would call radical non-dualists. Radical in the fact that their their conception, their their interpretation of what's put forth in the scriptures is is just it's off the charts. It's radical to the point of not being even acknowledgeable. Let me explain that a little bit because it's an important point when we speak of not radical non-dualism we talk of the teachings of Sankaracharya and Sankaracharya he came to give quote quote his own interpretation so he wasn't bound by the Veda de he wasn't bound by transcendental sound vib- vibration he could take what was in the scriptures, Subdha Brahman, and he could give his own interpretation. And again, we've discussed this, but to to just review, in the whole scheme of things, he had something to accomplish. First, you had misuse of Subdha Brahman by a class of men that simply had little interest in true spiritual enlightenment, but much interest in utilizing what was given in Scripture as far as ritualistic practices for materialistic gain. Now, there are ritualistic practices, and there is materialistic gain in the Scripture. Undoubtedly, it's there. But... It's meant to to attract specifically people who are situated in the mode of ignorance and the mode of passion to follow scriptural injunction and develop some confidence in subdi brahman as a whole, so I can light my fire follow the follow the the exact directives i can Employ the expert Brahmin. He can pour the right amount of ghee at the right time, when the right mantra is chanted, and I will get that sun that I wanted, or I will get that elevation to the heavenly planet, or whatever I want. And then I start saying, "Wow, this is a pretty cool book. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can, I can follow what's in this book, and I can go to heaven." I can, I can, uh, I can, well, actually there's not much that's not there. It's all there. Whatever my material desire, there is a scriptural formula for its fulfillment. But the purpose is to gain confidence in that Transcendental Sound Vibration even when it's directed towards material accomplishment, the underlying purpose is there of to pull us into an appreciation of Scripture. And that appreciation should lead to further inquiry. Sometimes it doesn't. And that was the situation. So, so much misuse of Scripture and along comes a Buddha. And the Buddha says, well, throw out the scripture because all you're using it for is to kill cows, to kill animals, to sac- perform sacrifices and exploit material nature. Well, go ahead and exploit material nature, but don't do it in the name of scriptural injunction. Don't misuse it. Properly use it. It says you can have, you can have a cow. Go ahead, eat your cow. But make sure that a fresh cow came out of the fire before you consume the, the older cow or whatever, exact, whatever the exact formulation was. So Buddha said, this is, this is not good. You're misusing it. You're having a cow every day or whatever. It was being misused. And the underlying principle of acquiring faith in Scripture was not being acquired. So, if you just want to engage in karma kanda activities, we well just engage in karma, because karma kanda, according to scriptural injunction, is meant for gradual upliftment to a platform of niskama. You don't want to enjoy the fruit. Buddha threw the scripture out the window. Just worship me, become nonviolent, and along comes Sankaracharya and says okay we agree with that but Buddha told you it was nothing that the ultimate objective was what Sunyavadi without any spirituality has has nothing the ultimate objective is nirvana and in nirvana there's no spiritual substance it's complete negation of everything so Sankacharya takes society at that stage back one step well actually there is some true value in the Veda value over and beyond the ritualistic performances there is an underlying understanding of the nature of the spiritual energy And the spiritual energy, the ultimate objective, is to be in awareness of your consciousness, of yourself, an awareness which is not bound by the laws of material nature. So there's some pleasure in that awareness. Not that the consciousness is void, but the consciousness is bliss you are that consciousness so the bhagavatam acknowledges that class of men who have that aspiration of merging into the supreme it's a qualityless conception of the absolute truth of the spiritual energy without qualities without qualification no Upadis, no reflections. We're now at a point in Jiva Goswami's presentation where he's providing us with what is worth knowing. What is knowable? We know that the Bhagavatam is a valid way of acquiring knowledge. Well, what's it actually telling us? let's take an approach, and he's going to posit an approach from the very beginning. From the very beginning, he's posited an approach to the necessity for subda brahman, for transcendental sound vibration. What was his approach based upon? The fact that without some outside influence, Mm -hmm. we're going to have a hard time acquiring absolute knowledge because we have some problems. We have, we're have, we in a vehicle, a body, a human form of life that affords us the opportunity to ask questions in the first place that the other bodies don't allow. But even with such a good opportunity, there's still some hang-ups. There's still some impediments in our way because the body is what? It has imperfect senses. It cannot perfectly perceive even the environment that it's situated in. It can perceive a lot, but it can't perceive perfectly. This is arrived at through simply an observation. Certain people see better than other people hear better than others certain animals hear or taste better than we do the sages they look at this environment and the situation the human condition so to speak and they say well you got imperfect senses well if you have imperfect senses then what? you could be illusioned you could take a cowbell for a tinkerbell depending on how you interpret it. So the senses are imperfect. We can be an illusion. Because of that, we can make mistakes. We can arrive at the wrong conclusion. We see smoke coming up from the mountain. We say it must be on fire. It could be fog. Somebody could have already put the fire out. We infer the best we can with the senses we have, but we may not infer perfectly. And the first is we have what the author here says, and I like his terminology, he, he has, we have a misrepresentational bias. Now just think about the words that he's using, misrepresentational bias. We all have an opinion based on what we see, what we hear what we infer from what we see and hear and taste and smell and touch and feel we all infer something but we have a misrepresentational bias based on our conditioning based on our experiences and if we accept a spirituality wherein we we see that this is simply a cycle then that misrepresentational bias is built up from unlimited lifetimes so your hot is my cold so your black is my white so your social bias is is very liberal and mine is very conservative so when i talk of the liberties of man being very conservative, I'm not going to consider a man who thinks himself a woman. And you are. Because you have a liberal bias. So it's a misrepresentational bias. I was born in, in a different environment, so I see things differently. My family raised me as a white supremacist and yours raised you as some hippie kid in a commune in California. I realize you like vegetables but you know I like meat and potatoes. So it's a misrepresentational bias. Who's right? Well in the material world everybody argue their rights and wrongs. And we even see in scripture in the Puranas and the histories what's right and what's wrong is often a compromise what to do with Asvatthama off with his head or off with his head not what do we do do we satisfy the desire to do potty he's a brahmin what can I do don't make his mother suffer the way I'm suffering now please so what So the desire of Drupati takes precedent over Dharma? No, it becomes Dharma. Jiva Goswami posits, when we look for Praman, when we look for valid knowledge, when we look for that, let's be very cautious of accepting what is our empirical conclusions what is arrived at through our senses and through our mind because it's not going to be reliable Jiva says Subda Brahman scripture is reliable and then what's he do? he goes about Breaking it down and showing how reliable it is. In every instance, it turns out to be reliable. And then he goes through all the different presentations of sub-da-brahman that are available to us. He takes those and he analyzes them according to our time, place, and circumstance. In Kali Yuga, short memory. And he, and he shows us, well, yeah, Shruti's best, but you don't have all the Shruti. Shruti, what are the sages saying? How do they arrive? What are their conclusions? What about the Puranas? Well, there's a lot of Puranas. Some are for people in the mode of ignorance. Some are for people in the mode of passion. Some are for people in the mode of goodness. But there's an Amala Purana. There's a supreme Purana. He comes to the conclusion that if we look at this circumstance and if we look at all that's available to us as valid a valid avenue of knowledge about the self, we can only conclude that Srimad Bhagavatam is the best Praman. Then there's a little bit of a transition and he explains now going forward in my Sundarbhas we will accept Srimad Bhagavatam as the spotless Praman. The spotless avenue for perfect knowing. And we. I will base my conclusions upon this Shastra primarily because it is non-different from the Supreme. It has arisen after his departure and he is that Bhagavat Purana. It is him. Well, how is it him? And that's exactly where we are now. Jiva Goswami is showing by an analysis of both the Compiler of this Purana and the speaker of this Purana their method of revelation in regards to Sambandha what is the absolute truth and the relationship of it in the world Abhideya and Prayogin so Srimad Bhagavatam is being established now how does the establishment because if we look at the Srimad Bhagavatam we can find throughout the Bhagavatam so much explanation of Sambandha so much explanation of Abhideya and so much explanation of Prayojan. they're all there so we could simply take an intellectual approach to the text of the Srimad Bhagavatam and pull those items from anywhere. But Jiva Goswami doesn't start there. He says, no, because that would be a Vaidhi approach. And he says, let us start here. What was the source of this Srimad Bhagavatam revelation? And how was that source- of that revelation transmitted to the speaker, Sukadev Goswami. Now you would think that he would naturally speak of the author's revelation first, but he doesn't. He speaks of Sukadev's revelation first by quoting one verse from the Bhagavatam and then. In speaking of Vyasudavs, he quotes four or five verses. But he speaks of Sukhadev first. And we think, well, that's not the proper sequence. So that's explained by the following. (laughs) When you have many tasks to accomplish, you always approach the easiest one first and get it out of the way the analogy of his approach is the analogy between the metallurgist producing the needle and the kettle if he has two tasks before him he'll always make the needle first simple he makes the needle the kettle requires a little bit more work with that logic and again remember a lot of what we learn of 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 scripture and its presentation has to do with logical inference and the nature of the language of the Shastra itself if we look at it it requires a proper presentation by the sadhu but the sadhu can look at the scripture in a way and expound on it and bring out so many meanings Atmaramas Chabunayo how many definitions for that verse Sri Shaitanya gave and then Sanatan said I heard you gave the Lord Chaitanya, well, I can't remember what exactly I explained to him uh, but I'll give you some explanations if you want them and he gave another large grouping of explanations so we need we need we need good guidance and understanding uh, Subda Brahman so let's talk about the verse that's used to to explain the revelation of Sukadev Goswami first because that's what Jiva Goswami does so Anucheta 29 speaks of the condition of Sukadeva Goswami, as explained by Suta Goswami, at the very end of the Bhagavatam, twelfth canto, twelfth chapter, next to the last chapter, and the last verse of that chapter: Swasuka Nibrita tadvya das tanya bavo vyajita ruchira. Lila Krishtha Sarasthadiyam Vyatanuta kri yas Tatva dipa Puranam Tamakila vrjina Ganam Vyasa Sunum Natoshmi. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the son of Vyasadev, Sukadev Goswami, who destroys all sin and who, though fixed in his own bliss with no distractions became attracted to the pastimes of Krishna and mercifully spread the Bhagavatam which describes Krishna and reveals the rasa of his pastimes. So should our Swami, then, then Jiva Goswami goes on to say, and if we remember back, Jiva Goswami said that mo, a lot of what he's going to present in his Darbas is based upon what? The Bhagavatam commentary of Sridhar Swami. That Sridhar Swami who Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu revered as the best commentator on the Bhagavatam. So what Sridhar Swami say about this verse? He says that Sukhadeva Goswami's Sara, his essence, his essence was drawn to the leela presented in the Bhagavatam verses that he heard. Then he goes on in the next part of this 29th anucheda to talk about and present the position of Sukadeva Goswami and how he became cognizant Of the Supreme in the most sweet way by appreciation of his Leelas. First, we have to understand what was Sukadev Goswami's position. Jivan Mukta. He was completely liberated, so much so that he had no desire for any interaction in the material realm, none whatsoever. In fact, you'll find some Puranas that say that he stayed in the womb for 12 years, refusing to come out until a special benediction was given to him by Krishna himself, Maya will not touch you. Okay. And then we have Puranas that say as soon as he came out, he immediately left home. He didn't want any family affection interfering with his spiritual perfection. He was already perfect. So much so that he had no... Well, the terminology can be used of open-eyed samadhi. He was in the world. He was what we would call functioning in the world, but the world had no influence upon his... Internal, absolute satisfaction in the joy of the self. He was a liberated soul. So, despite that condition, still we find that he was drawn, his essence. Now, what's this mean? His essence, Sridhar is saying his essence was drawn to the narrations from the Bhagavatam. He was already experiencing his full essence in, in his samadhi. He was completely situated in transcendence. Nothing in the world could draw him. He was completely blissful in that realization despite that level of transcendental accomplishment and satisfaction still the sound vibration of Srimad Bhagavatam and this is really at the essence of what Jiva Goswami is trying to get across here His essence was drawn to that essence which had more aesthetic value, more blissfulness than the blissfulness of his realization of his own self. There was something more there in the sound vibration of the verses of the Bhagavatam that would draw even him. This could not have been a mundane sound vibration. It would not have had an effect on him. It had to be a very, very concentrated bliss. And we know, yes, when we compare that bliss to that bliss, one is considered unfathomably, one's not even considered an infinitesimal drop of the ocean of unlimited, the unlimited bliss of appreciation of the aesthetic value of the supreme over appreciation of the supreme devoid of all individual characteristic is that clear mm-hmm. so it's very very special so how did this realization come he hears the verses he's attracted and he's immediately that attraction because he had no attraction on the material plane resulted in what for him a loving sentiment that exceeded the loving sentiment for the self that he had a sentiment for the super self so he immediately perceived the everything the sambandha the abhideya and the prayojan the sambandha being what? the supreme absolute with aesthetic value and unlimited potencies and shaktis by what means? by the means of simply hearing, engaging in the process the Abhideya and what did he feel? he felt praying. So In simply hearing the Sabda of the ultimate Pramana, Srimad Bhagavatam, he became captured. His heart became captured. So much so that he said, I have to hear it all. I want to hear everything there is to hear about this person. It far exceeds Everything that I can I am experiencing by simply knowing that I am not matter, that I am spirit. Now Vyasudev's samadhi is going to be explained as we move forward in Anochidas 30 through 49. So 20 anochetas would deal with with what Vyasudev realized in his samadhi that prompted him to re-present the Srimad Bhagavatam. Bhagavatam's already been presented, he'd already completed everything which included all the Puranas and the Mahabharata with the Bhagavad Gita in it and the Vedanta Sutra so he'd written down everything and when he was done presenting it all, all of it, he did not feel completion, and he went to his spiritual master. And he was told, "Well, you didn't bring out the essence. You, bring, you gave every, you gave all the scripture, but you didn't really highlight the Bhakti Shastra, the essence." So the most important thing that we have to take from this approach that Jiva Goswami's taking is the fact that Srimad Bhagavatam is fully a transcendental sound vibration and both the author and the speaker experienced this through revelation that is the ultimate result of the Bhagavatam, of the sound vibration. It has a profound effect on the heart. And we could say, well, yeah, that really sounds good, but my heart has very little experience. I'm not a Jivan Mukta, like Sukadev." So I don't, upon hearing three or four verses from the Bhagavatam, immediately experience praying. And I'm certainly not a Vyasudev who knows all the essence of all scripture and can draw out that essence after entering into samadhi. Can barely Chant 16 rounds attentively what to speak of a samadhi. A samadhi that leads to a revelation, that leads to a reevaluation of all the work I've just done in presenting scriptures for suffering humanity in the most fallen age. But, despite our shortcomings, our shortcomings do not discount the transcendental potency of Srimad Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam does have this potency, and through repeated hearing, cheto Darpana we will come to a platform of revelation in the scripture itself, simply through continued association. It's everlastingly and joyfully performed. And once we can get past the hurdle of anista Bhajana kriya, where it's a struggle just to keep a firm grounding in practice, once we can gradually move through the initial stages of sadhana bhakti and come to some steadiness, then we will experience a fact that these, this literature becomes more and more relishable with every hearing that the pastimes of Krishna delineated in Srimad Bhagavatam become more and more revealed within our heart even if we're not a big intellectual this is the effect of the Bhagavatam it's arisen like the sun after Krishna departed and it is Krishna. It is his literary incarnation. So in the next class, we will discuss a little bit of the four verses, five verses, four or five, depending on how we looked at the last one, of the revelation of Srila and how he also, through samadhi, through a concentration and a control of his mind, looked and saw and was able to experience that transcendental realm and also have a revelation so that he could fully appreciate, apperceive. that means both with his consciousness and an awareness of his consciousness. So he was aware of the fact that he was perceiving in Samadhi the Supreme. Therefore, he could relay it in such a way that we could benefit from it. So we will go over those verses and see we have the same conclusion arrived at. Sambanda Abhideya, and Pryojan, which are very, very much tied together. So I'll stop there for tonight. Are there any questions? Thank you very much.